Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Try these cookies. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century. From I Love Lucy to News Radio, and I'm your TV guide, Brett White. And I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. And this week I am joined by one of the hosts of Comic Book Club, Alex Zalbin. Hello, Alex. Hello, Brett. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on the show. And for a second, it sounded like I was hearing, like, jingle coming out from outside. Oh, maybe. Some horns? I don't know. Yeah. Some taxi horns. Um, <laughs> ooh, thematic. Ooh, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited yes. to be here. Uh, what is your history with sitcoms? We know uh, you love comic books. Sure. Because it's in the title yeah. of your long-running podcast. Yes. Is it 10 years? We've been doing the show for 12 years and podcasting it for 9 or 10 years, something oh like that. Yeah. That's honestly... It's like, a while. It's like a podcast were around 10 years ago. That's also crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, like, right at the top. We actually used to do it. Uh, we, we'd ferry it to people. We just, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, we'd do it live <laughs> in different places, and that's what we call the podcast. If you were on a coastal city, you would yeah. finally get the pod. Yeah, we had like a little a pod. Yeah. It was a pod that would roll around. <laughs> We'd throw oh, it in the water and cast what, a line. That's what those stackable things are on yep. barges. Mm-hmm. Those that's are exactly those are episodes of WTF right, yeah. coming up. <laughs> but what's what is your? You're also a comedian. You do comics, yeah. comedy stuff. So I imagine you probably have a fond history with sitcoms. Yeah, okay. I grew up watching sitcoms. Yeah. I mean, with my parents, we used to watch Seinfeld and what else? Seinfeld is the big one. I definitely remember watching with them. If that dates me quite a bit uh cheers i watched with them i distinctly remember not really watching tgif i was not a huge tgif fan because it felt kind of cheesy bless, to me bless you for, for being <laughs> that aware that early yeah but must see tv i was super into yeah. i was always following the nbc lineup back in the day like i think a lot of people were you know oh, yeah. just sort of i i don't know if i actually knew what i was talking about but certainly like <laughs> I talked about it a lot and be like, oh, ER is on at 10 o'clock, and of course that's the anchor. Boy, they just can't get the sick guy to work, can yeah. they? <laughs> so there was a lot of that. Did uh, you have an Entertainment Weekly subscription? I had an Entertainment Weekly yeah, subscription. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I have one. That said, the first, this isn't sitcom exactly, but I think like the first time I've thought about this quite a bit since I've become a, in quotes, professional entertainment journalist. Yeah. Uh, but... The first time I can distinctly remember having any sort of entertainment journalism conversation was about Fox's comedy lineup. 
Like oh. right back when they launched, talking about Parker Lewis can't lose in yeah. particular. <laughs> and this is, again, this is like total ignorance, but I remember being in my friend Ben's house and the two of us talking about, well, everybody watches Fox's comedies. They're clearly the biggest on TV. <laughs> Their ratings are huge. But that was because we watch them. Yeah. So that's what we do. But uh, I was super into all that. And I think, like, actually, Parker Lewis is the one that I look back at. At I'm not a huge fan of three-camera sitcoms. And I know they've kind of gone out of vogue. I know that's definitely your jam. That's exclusively what this... <laughs> that's what every episode of this podcast has been about. Except for the Connor Ratliff episode where we talked about the... Uh... What the fuck is that name of the podcast? The Days and Nights of Molly Zod. Oh, yeah. 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 But I, I think it was Parker Lewis that kind of first turned me on to single camera Oh, that's what that was? Was Jennifer way. Aniston on that show? No, she was on the Ferris Bueller Yeah, TV she was on the Ferris Bueller. Show, right? Yeah. Um, Parker Lewis... God, I don't know if there's any names that came out of it. I remember there was a guy, a very big guy who was silent on the show. His bit, he was like, the silent character was big and would show up and super strong. Um, he's been on a bunch of stuff, but I can't for the life of me remember my na- his name. But it was also just like the first time that I saw a weird comedy oh, sitcom. Yeah. Everyone remembers their first weird sitcom. Yeah, like Parker had... Yeah a base inside of his locker. So like he was the cool dude. So like he'd go into his locker and just have this whole cool base that they could hang out in. Uh, there was a guy who had like everything in his pockets. That was the big guy. So he could pull stuff oh, out. Man. So it was weird and it was strange, but it was funny. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Oh man. Uh, speaking of the coolest thing that we've ever seen this week, we're traveling to February 5th, 1981, nine to five rolled the box office. Celebration by Cool and the Gang topped the charts, and ABC aired the Taxi episode Latka's Cookies. Alex, you must have seen Latka's Cookies before today. Brett, I did not see Latka's Cookies before today. Oh, gnarly! <laughs> I, I mean, I've I think only seen it once. Yeah. I, I mean, so Taxi was a Nick at Night show, so I watched ta- Taxi a whole bunch when I was a kid on Nick at Night, and so I'm sure I probably saw Latka's Cookies at some point when I was a kid. But when you think about Taxi, you think about uh, uh, Reverend Jim, a space odyssey, which is the Christopher Lloyd driver's test episode, which is the other taxi episode we talked about on the podcast way back in, I think, episode nine. So go back and listen to that one, listeners, with Paul Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. um, what is your history with Taxi in general? Taxi is one of those sitcoms that I don't think I have ever actually seen a full episode. I mean, I'm aware now. Until now. Uh, I've been aware of it. I know the impact that it yeah. had on the world. I've clearly seen clips in compilation and also, on shows. And also, so watching the first episode, could you identify every actor? Yes. Or like the majority. Because yes. I feel like yeah. for a show that was not, it was never really a ratings hit, as we'll discover when we get to the facts section. For a show that wasn't like big ratings hit, the this has one of the most perfect like career launch pad mm-hmm. shows. I'm like there's like news radio and arrested development. Like it's up there with those like everyone yeah. on this cast went on to do bigger a show with Christopher Lloyd, Andy Kaufman, and Danny DeVito. Yeah. And Tony, and Tony Danza. Danza. Yeah. And, then and also, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. And then also Mary Lou Henner. And uh, Bobby other... Wheeler, uh, oh my god, <laughs> Jeff Conaway, yeah. who was Kanicki in Greece right. during Taxi. That was the guy that I didn't recognize. Like, I knew I knew him, yeah. but he was the Greece. one that was like, yes, absolutely, I know And also, is. unfortunately, Celebrity Rehab. Right. And then the headlines about him being dead. Mm. He died. Uh, oh, okay. It's, it's sad. 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. He's great. He's great on the show. Anyway, yeah. uh, apologies. Um, but yeah, in terms of just seeing all these young performers, it's startling in a way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we're going to get to this later, but it's kind of insane to see everybody at that age. I mean, one of the first things that I was struck with when we opened up on the first scene was, wow, hot, sexy, young Judd Hirsch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, clearly he's the heartthrob on the show. Yeah. Which now you would never think that in a million years because he's like, I'm the cranky old man who comes in. I'm the dad. Yeah. But he was he was the hot dude. <laughs> it's weird that he's still on a sitcom right now. He's on Superior Donuts on yeah. CBS. And he has looked kind of the same for the past 20 years. I think, like, he aged up until Independence Day, but then from Independence Day on, he kind of just is the same. The thing I was struck with, not initially, because I think I was just confused about him being the hunky leading man on the sitcom, <laughs> was as as we continue to watch it, he looks a lot at that age like Mark Furstein. I never pronounced his name correctly. Oh, right, yeah. The guy from Royal Pains. Yeah. He's on 9JKL right now. Uh, they're, like, identical, except for the hair color. It's super oh, weird. Oh, right. so he should play... The Judd Hirsch role in a future Andy Kaufman, yes. the next Andy Kaufman, yes, classic, absolutely for the comedian that becomes insufferable when they take on that role. <laughs> yeah. I just I just watched the From Jim to Andy documentary, whatever it's called. I can't remember the yeah, that's Great what Beyond, it's called, right? Yeah, um, on Netflix like last weekend. So fresh on my mind. Ah, there we go. I. Uh, yeah, so this week on Must Have Seen TV, we are talking about the Taxi episode Latka's Cookies. It is the eighth episode of season three and was written by Glenn Charles and Les Charles and directed by James Burroughs. Here is how IMDb describes the episode. Following the death of Latka's grandmother, he inherits her cookie recipe. He intends on going into business with this recipe, but there's a catch. It contains a special ingredient. Alex, how accurate is that description? I think it's pretty accurate. That is the yeah. episode. It's, uh... <laughs> One of the other things that I was really struck by it about, uh, that was a weird way of saying that, but um, how simple it was. Like, yeah. there, there's not, there's a lot of, there's stuff that happens in the episode, yeah. but there's not a lot. I was yeah. surprised when it was over because it flew by, it was very funny, everybody's great at it, but it's not what I've come to expect from even an older sitcom where there's like an actual arc. Yeah. Here it's more. <laughs> Things kind of happen and then they're over. Yeah, like that's the end of this is really jarring because no one learns anything <laughs> and nothing is stopped. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's definitely kind of it's not what we know of as sitcoms at all now. Yeah. It's more just an excuse to do bits. Yeah, that's the thing that I noted because I did a big after the election 2016. I threw myself down this sitcom. Oh, did anything rather, happen? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what was the Hillary one, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm so vaguely. So that's uh, current events. Um, but like the reason that I bring that up is because right after that I was depressed and so I threw myself into just watching sitcoms and so I watched like all of Bob Newhart show, all of Golden Girls, and then I turned to Taxi, which I'd never watched all of before. And so while I was watching all those other shows, I was like picking apart like, oh, this that's what works about this show, that's what works about this. Like it was all those shows click right away. Taxi took me a while to latch on to and figure out like why does this exist? What is it different? And I noted about halfway through season one, I realized Taxi is a show that exists as a vehicle, pun intended, <laughs> to give these physical performers a chance to do physical comedy, uh, which I don't think is like not really like sitcoms are a very writery thing. Mm -hmm. They're a very writery place with like characters and stuff. Taxi is not that. Taxi is an aggressive show where they get these characters to do very physical bits there's an episode in season one that uh, the reason i noted this is because there's an episode where like louis does something dickish and 
uh, Alex, Judd Hirsch, literally, like, physically chases him around the garage and then picks him up, hoists him on a hook, and, like, strings him up. And I was like, this is way more in-depth than you ever see people get on Friends or Seinfeld mm -hmm. physical-wise. And they all do it. Like, there are so many episodes of Taxi where it looks like all, whether, like, six or seven in the main cast, are gonna hurt themselves. Because they're all just throwing their bodies into each other. It felt very much like an improv show to me. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. mean, it was clearly scripted. They clearly wrote it down. It didn't feel like they wrote it out of improv <laughs> either, you know, because you can kind of feel like when somebody has improvised something and then slowly whittled it down to sketch form. But at the same time, it did feel like that. It felt yeah. like they're just kind of riffing off each other and then just building and building, and then it's, well, somebody wipes and we're done. Yeah, especially, you bring that up and it's perfect because that the entire... So, like, the plot of the episode is what we said. Like, it's basically, it's cocaine. The cookies are cookies have cocaine and then cocoa leaves. And so the, re the scene where they all find that out, there's it's like in the middle of the episode, Alex comes in. It's a perfect improv scene because he comes in and he's playing the game of I am hopped up on cookie cocaine and I don't know what it is. So he's doing all this like, I feel like I'm sort of uh, happy. I got all this energy, you know? Uh-huh. Well, last night, I had a little trouble falling asleep. So I wrote an opera. And then out of nowhere, Bobby, from the air quote back line of an improv show, yeah. Does like a pirouette across the back the back wall, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, and then they all keep adding it on. Like a character will come on, add their bit, and it's very improving. Yeah, very and then there's the Tony Danza stinger at the end of that yeah. scene, which is great. But that again is like a very simple heightening. He comes in. He seems like he's totally fine. He asks if anybody wants coffee, and they say, yeah, sure. And then he picks up the entire yeah. coffee machine, which is a full, like, vending machine, and just that's 100%, walks it over. That's a, that's a blackout. That's a blackout. Like, exactly. that's a perfect. Like, and then you go back to the backstage, and your coach hopefully gives you great notes, because you <laughs> nailed it. You won cage match that week. Um, so, yeah, starting from the beginning, I wanted to talk about the theme song. So what mm -hmm. was your awareness of the Taxi theme song before this? I think I had heard that. Again, probably in compilation reels yeah. and other things like Emmys or whatever. Probably did something at some point. How did it make you feel? I was surprised. More than the theme song, I was surprised that it was just one shot of a taxi. That loops. Yeah. Like, a, there's a noticeable, like, jump cut with yeah. it, like, starting back over again. Yeah. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins tweeted recently something about, like, if the opening credits of Taxi don't make you feel despondent, you're a sociopath. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, the, the theme song is so depressing to me. Uh -huh. It's just something about it is just so, it's like that smooth jazzness of it, but it's yeah. just so, I don't know, there's nothing, Cheers is the same. The opening notes of Cheers are just this, like, wrecking ball of emotion and, like, nostalgia, like, yeah. feeling, like, despair, depression. But then it has the chorus, which, like, literally, like, kind of physically, like, pulls your gut up through your through your heart, and you're like, yes, I want to go there. <laughs> the Taxi theme song doesn't really have that kind of resolution. It's just kind of like... Yeah, I think that's fair. I think... I think it just being... Granted, this is the only episode I've watched, but it certainly seems like... Nothing is going on in their lives. They are taxi drivers. They spend most of their day in the taxi dispatch. Oh, yeah. It's just boring. And it's not <laughs> even like the office boring where it's, we're going to make things fun. Yeah, like, the office not, theme song is upbeat. Right. They're not trying yeah. to make things fun in taxi, it seems like. No. It's just like fun things maybe happen to them because we're watching them, but mostly they hate it and they're probably going to die there. Yeah, that's the main... I think that's in the pilot episode is... Because the pilot episode is a character who's already written out by this point coming and becoming a taxi driver, a uh, new one. 
and he's like everyone's introducing themselves like Bobby's like I'm an actor and Tony's like I'm a boxer and uh, Mary Lou Henner is like well I'm also like an art she thinks he's like an art curator she works at a museum in the day and then Alex is like everyone here is someone else I'm a taxi driver and that's kind of the theme of the show is they're all like refusing to acknowledge that this is actually their life uh-huh. because when they go and do plot lines that are like Bobby's horrible acting jobs or Tony's like a horrible boxer it always goes horrible for them there is no way out that's yeah. really depressing <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I got that. I mean, I think the main thing that I was surprised about and I was confused about while I was watching it is I was trying to remember, okay, were all the sitcoms of this time, did they have an incredibly boring, incredibly long credit sequence? No, this is 1981, so I mean, like, Cheers is the next season. Sure. Uh, and that's definitely not that way. Uh, you're coming out of, well, I mean, like, Happy Days. <laughs> Monday, Monday, Happy Days. Right. That's super upbeat. All right, so, so yeah, it was this, a specific choice. Yeah, this was a really very specific choice. And I also don't think it was intended to be the theme song. That's more information than I wish I knew offhand, but I feel like I've read something about how they wrote this for the show, but they, like, grafted it on to be a theme song kind of late, and it worked. I don't know. I wish I actually knew that fact, but I don't. <laughs> um, the establishing shot, which I turned to you, was like, that was 8th Avenue, right? Is a shot of, you know, 1981 or 1980, Port Authority, New York City. Mm-hmm. And I was, I recognized it because it still looks that shitty today. It's the exact same, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you, are you at all nostalgic for like 1981 New York City? Um, well, you were you frequented the in New York City in the eighties, right? Like, probably. I mean, not, with frequent, my not frequented. Yeah, like. <laughs> just hitting the streets, <laughs> tiny little kid. Uh, no, you know, I, I went to the. I definitely like experienced the city a little bit before it got cleaned up. Yeah, and it is better now. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, it really is. You know, there was definitely. I remember the point when they started to clean it up, but everyone was like. These porn shops are pot in New York. Why are you getting rid of them? But I feel much safer walking through Times oh, yeah. Square now. Times Square is a whole different kind of annoying now. Yes. I mean, it's terrible in its own way. But yeah. there was that You're period. You're stabbed before. most likely? Just by elbows. Yeah. God, elbows that's... who want pictures. <sighs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's funny that the Port Authority is that one holdout. They've done some reconstruction of it, but for I the honest, most part, it's the same smelly, horrible place inside it. <laughs> 8th Avenue between 29th, 29th Street and, like, 50th Street yeah. is the grossest part of all of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I think my friend Adam Bozarth once called it Ugly People Yelling Avenue, <laughs> which is basically true. Yeah. 8th Avenue is horrible, and no amount of, like, Carlos Bakery and Schnippers is gonna fix that. Yeah, it's it's kind of just the same. Yeah, so, I, but I actually don't know if the Sunshine Company taxi dispatch is actually at Port Authority. I don't know where in Manhattan it is. Seems like it would probably be in Queens, because... Probably Aren't most taxi places in Queens, but I think this is very decidedly in I mean, Manhattan. Queens, maybe it was on the west side or yeah. something like that. So I don't know. And that, they might establish that in some episode. And again, I'm not a taxi scholar, so who mm. knows. Um, Laka comes in and he's very happy because like his grandmother has died and everyone's like, why are you happy about that? He's like, The reason it's good news is because she left me something very valuable in her will. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> what? What? Cookies. <laughs> they also are eating the cookies, uh, and their they're, all their reaction to the cookies is are pretty great initially. They all they're all they're very crunchy. Or they look like moon pies. I was trying to figure out what kind of cookies they were the entire time because they say they're oatmeal cookies, but they're yeah. not oatmeal cookies. No, they look like because they look like the kind of cookie that's that 
uh, God, what is it? Like a dough or a bread that's like co- coated in chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or it looks like a big Oreo that has been dunked and coated in a chocolate layer. Did you but think they were lo- coated? Because I thought they were well, like, it, hmm. I, I think not moon pie, but there's that hard cookie you can get at an Italian bakery that's oh, kind of yeah. big. It has a, almost like a flour... Flour is the wrong word, but sort of just little bumps yeah, yeah, on the yeah, outside. Yeah. So it, it seemed could be to one me, of those. Yeah, that it was like actually a thin chocolate kind of wafery cookie, another one on the bottom, and some sort of cream in the middle. It's cocaine. But it was cocaine, yeah. <laughs> in the middle. But they kept saying it was oatmeal cookies, which it, it wasn't. It no. Was and, oatmeal cookies. And they were super crunchy and also just like took them forever to chew it. Yeah. Elaine had this really good line. Mine seems to be getting larger. <laughs> yeah. That it was really good. Yeah. I liked... I don't know. That, that was when I started to get... I mean, it's early on, but that's definitely where I started to get into the episode. Yeah. Just, they were all doing a very good job of puffing out their cheeks yeah. and chewing, and it, it was nice. I think Tony Danza had a really good, like, delay. I think the time came for him to say a line, and he was, like, trying to work up the, like, nerve, or, like, try to swallow enough to talk, and it was a really yeah. subtle thing. It was really good. Tony Danza was really interesting to me, just because he's super young, Oh, and yeah. I, again, only episode, but it felt like he was not quite as developed in his Tony Danza-ness as, say, yeah. Judd Hirsch was or Danny DeVito or Christopher He's saying that for Who's the Boss. That's, yeah. Yeah. That he's Tony Danza own. I kept expecting him to be like, oh, I'm the tough guy you yeah. know, or whatever, but he's not quite there yet. I think he becomes that more on, uh, like, this to me, when I think of Taxi, I think this is the cast, because Christopher Lloyd is not in season one. They have another guy. Um... And then Bobby Wheeler, Jeff Conway leaves, I think, after this season or season four or so. So there, but this is the definitive cast to me. But they apparently like the reason that they figured out who Tony was after Bobby Wheeler left. Because there was apparently Bobby Wheeler or Jeff Conway had a lot of drug problems during the making of Taxi. Mm. And so there was like a week where he just didn't show up to work or something. And so they just gave all of his lines to Tony Danza. Uh-huh. And they realized, oh. Oh, yeah, Tony Danza can do all these lines. So we actually don't need this character. And then yeah. they, like, wrote him off of the show. That's interesting. They do, I mean, they're very similar types. Yeah. And it does suck, because I do, like, in the other, in the, the driving test episode from season two, I think that Jeff Conway is so good as a straight man to Christopher Lloyd in that episode. Um, and he's really good in this episode. Uh, the, the the whole ballet thing. The physical mm-hmm. comedy there is really good. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so then we get the, what I wrote down was, like, Lotka versus Louie. Ugh. I loved their back and forth about Locke was quitting because he was like, I'm going to go be like famous. Well, he's like, I'm going to go be like famous Amos or whatever. (laughs) He was really into starting a cookie dynasty immediately. (laughs) And so him and Louis got into a big argument about like whether or not he quits or is fired. Yeah. Locke, I'm warning you. No, Louis, I'm warning you. Oh, you're warning me when I'm trying to warn you? (laughs) I am warning you. Yeah, you're warning me? Yes, I am quitting. Oh, no, 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 you're not, Latka. You're not going to quit because I'm going to fire you. You cannot fire me if I am going to quit. No, 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 you can't quit because I'm firing you. But you cannot fire me if I quit first. I you're quit. fired. I said it first. No, you didn't. I quit. You're fired. I said it first again. It doesn't matter who says it first. Danny DeVito was another interesting one to me just because he's... He gets, you know, he gets a little weird once he realizes they're all on cocaine, but yeah. he's very much the straight man. He's the boss character, and 
I mean, we've seen Danny DeVito play that before, but again, I feel like he's done richer things in his career as he's gone on and weirder things in his career. Got, it's like, this is, I mean, this is all like all of them begins. It's yeah. like them all really figuring out who they are because uh, Louis De Palma is such a crazy character and he plays him with such this like evil ferocity. Yeah. Um, I love the, the reason that I really like that fight is because you're getting Danny DeVito giving him all the like, no, you're fired. Like he's getting really in his face and he's so short Andy Kaufman is pretty tall, especially compared to Danny DeVito. And, and Kaufman is matching DeVito's intensity, but filtering it through Latka. So, like, Kaufman's eyes are staring daggers at Louis, but he only can talk in his cute voice. <laughs> right. He's like, I quit. But he's looking at him like, I fucking quit. And it's a really cool, like... Yeah. The dynamic is really good. They're both really funny in the scene. Um, yeah, it's a good back and forth. Um, and then after he quits, I really did like the touch of when Locke isn't there and Louis says, like, I fired him. Everyone else without missing a beat. I had gas. I missed more than the guy I fired. He, he quit! It's a really cool way of establishing how much they all love Laka. Mm-hmm. And they brought it back again, right? Like I think it happens next two scene. or three times. Yeah, yeah. it's really, great. It's yeah. a good bit. It's a good. Uh, and then, so we haven't talked about Christopher Lloyd. He then comes yeah. back. Now I wrote like he comes back as if he's been gone. Now I actually don't. <laughs> I don't know if that's just him trying to explain why he wasn't in the first scene, or if he actually wasn't in the previous episode. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I I kind of having not seen the previous <laughs> episode took it as nobody knew he was gone yeah. probably yeah, and he's probably just kind accurate. of coming in yeah. because there wasn't there wasn't exactly the woo he's back yeah Yay. he's back from shooting a movie yeah exactly well, even he even gives us a little lowdown of like he was like he tried to hitchhike to New York and no, he tried to take, hitchhike to Washington. I thought you were hitchhiking to Washington I did too but I ended up in Omaha. <laughs> I must have used the wrong thumb. <laughs> I loved Christopher Lloyd in this. Yeah. I I have never seen him this early in his career. I feel like this is becoming a recurring theme. Yeah. But to me, as a person who mainly, when I think Christopher Lloyd, immediately thinks Back to the Future on, mm-hmm. this explains Christopher Lloyd to me, <laughs> is what it feels like, that this... I know you were saying that everybody is kind of fighting their voices and developing. To me, it felt like Christopher Lloyd was developed. Like, this oh, yeah. is a pure form of Christopher Lloyd, and I felt like I finally got it. Yeah. The reason that, like, because in season one, he comes on, there's an episode where Lotka needs a green card marriage, and so they just, like, grab, Christopher Lloyd has a guest role as a, as a reverend, who is a spaced out, like, ex-hippie uh, reverend who marries them, and... Um, and then I feel like behind the scenes they were like, oh, we need him. And so they just kind of like bent that character. They brought him back like seven episodes into season two and were like, cool. So he's not really irreverent. That was like a trippy thing that he did. <laughs> uh, now he's a taxi driver. And his debut episode, I think we, when we talked about it uh, earlier in the earlier in the earlier must have seen TV history, uh, it noted that it's one of the first or only times I've seen a show literally like welcome an actor and a character at once into the show uh usually when a character joins i don't know like when like adam scott and rob lowe join parks and recreation it doesn't feel like 
like, oh, we're bringing in, like, rot. Like, there's, I don't know, it doesn't feel, the show isn't, like, bending over backwards to welcome them. Yeah. In that episode, like, they're all like, hi, Christopher. Like, they're basically like, hi, Jim. We need to, we need to, they literally say, like, we need to get him in this show. <laughs> but, like, show is air quote, like, taxi driver. Right. So you're actually, like, watching the show on the show, realize we need this random guest star in the show, and then bending over backwards to huh. get him in the show and make him a regular. Well, <laughs> it works great. Yeah. And he only has one scene in this episode, which is also kind of amazing. But yeah. it's so good. And he's so... All of his little movements and the way his hand shakes when he picks stuff up. And yeah. the way he crumbles the cookies and listens to them. <laughs> and then snorts it. Yeah, and snorts it. <laughs> it's the way that he reacts to it. Also, like, the, 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 his savant moment of like, well, he's obviously a stoned out crazy hippie at all times. But when it comes to identifying controlled substances, he's yes. like, this is from Panama, like, pre-1974, or like, pre-the rain in 74 mm-hmm. or something. What I also really liked about that scene is how they filmed it. They filmed it, at least part of it, as he's talking. Like, some of it is directly on him. Yeah. But then they get the side camera, which just gets a piece of his face out of focus, and it's all in focus on Danny DeVito. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, James Burroughs, I know, like, the thing when I think about James Burroughs is I think about how much he loves playing with foreground stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so how much have you seen of Friends? Uh, quite yeah. a bit, yeah. So, like, if you watch any early seasons of Friends, you'll notice that in Monica and Rachel's apartment, sometimes there's a big post... Mm-hmm. In the middle of the of their of their apartment, and those are only episodes that James Burroughs directed, or they like he requested that was added to the set because he wanted something that his camera could like move around and like shoot to add depth of field. Uh-huh. And I remember that's a thing I learned like from listening to uh-huh. DVD commentaries like 15 years ago. But that's always stuck in my head of like James Burroughs likes doing like weird depth of field shit, and that's really what this that it's such an interesting choice because I noted that like yeah he's not in focus yeah. Well, the reason, the thing that I took away from it, and the reason I think that bit works so well, is it switches the scene pretty clearly from Uh, Christopher Lloyd to Danny DeVito. Once you get that snort from Christopher (laughs) Lloyd, which is the biggest physical movement that he can do, and it confirms the thing that you as the audience, you're you're way ahead of them on purpose. Yeah. That, yes, there is, (laughs) I mean, at that point you're like, maybe there's pot, maybe there's something else, but it's probably cocaine in the case you're pretty sure that's what's going on. As soon as he snorts it, that could confirms it and then it turns the scene to Danny DeVito's perspective and you see his eyes this like glow because he knows what he can do with this yeah at first he's like well I'm gonna shut lock it down and it's gonna be great but then when Christopher Lloyd when uh, Jim tells him that like you know what do these uh, coca leaves do to you well if you chew them for a while you get a feeling of euphoria increased energy strength and stamina it's also rumored to uh, heighten your sexual desires. <laughs> and it makes you see beauty in the most repulsive things. And that is when Elaine walks in, eating a cookie, and just like stops, pulls his ha- pulls Louis's hair back from his yeah. ear. Then does she comment on how hot his ear is? Uh, just the shape of his the ear. Shape she of talks his ear. about the shape it's of like, his ear. Wow, that's very specific and very weird. Yes. And so then Louis is, of course, like, well, I need to use this as information to have sex with Elaine. Right. <laughs> like, what I 
So I, I don't want to say specifically because I don't know any facts about this, but I feel pretty confident based on the time period that a large majority of the cast and writers probably had done a lot of cocaine at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think that's a safe, uh, especially Jeff Conaway. And I don't think that's how cocaine works, no, right? I don't know if the beauty in Rough yeah. Climate... I think everything else they said, yeah, I could see. It's just, but it's that, funny that that's a funny they were joke. probably very familiar with cocaine, but then we're like, ah, forget it. I for this one plot, yeah, whatever. For this, we, we'll just make it. For work. this gag, we need to make that work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's where we get the next scene, which is all of them basically like slowly. We talked about earlier with all of them realizing like Alex comes in and he's. This is where like all of their physical performance is so good in this episode. Like just Judd Hirsch coming in and like. He's, like, doing, like, half laughing. Like, he's, like, catching himself. Like, he's jumping over the bench that they sit on, like, twirling around. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, like, so, like, I couldn't sleep last night, so I wrote an opera. I might do it again tonight. That's yeah. A, well, the way he t- tosses off that joke is great. Just the timing yeah. of that. What did you do last night? Ah, I just wrote an opera. Yeah. And Bobby does his ballet thing. Uh, like, Elaine shows up and Louis, like, walks her into his cage. Can be summed up in one sentence? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Hold that thought. Why don't you come on into my cage here, and we'll talk about that. That was a great line, too. Yeah. I, have they not used that at that point on the show? Because... Yeah, they call that. That's his cage at all times. Oh, they yeah. do call it his cage at all times? <laughs> it's also just funny that he has a cage, yeah. because he is an animal. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Okay, I mean, that definitely changes a little bit that they've used it before, yeah. but I just thought that was such a great casual use of like come into my cage what also is it adds a new because like at that point like she's drugged up he has more champagne and is like wanted to it's like come into my cage like come into my trap is basically what it it adds this other layer to it and again you get kind of an interesting filming thing that happened that i don't know that i totally loved but i thought it was really (laughs) interesting to see on a sitcom like this where they're filming and they're in the cage, so like they're behind the wire. Yeah. You can barely see them through it. I feel like more modern sitcoms would have cut to inside. Yeah, or they would have built it so that there's a false wall on the other yeah, side, so you yeah, can shoot yeah. through there, so you can see them in the cage. The taxi set is a very fascinating set to me because it is one of the dirtiest looking sets I've ever seen on any show. Yeah. I mean, I think like Patty's Pub on It's Always Sunny is <laughs> again the Danny Dito, Devito connection. He's sure. dirty up whatever he gets in. But, like, the taxi set, like, it looks like a set that has cars in it all day. Yeah. Like, it just looks gross. I was, I think I said earlier, like, you know, if I was on Friends, I would love just, like, sitting on those couches in between shit takes, you know? Like, yeah. Seinfeld. Oh, give me, like, so great. Taxi, I feel like I would be hanging out, like, not on that. Like, that set does yeah. not look. <laughs> it's also incredibly stagey. I mean, yeah. I know three camera sitcoms are, by their nature, you know, they're going to be on a stage. But I feel like. You could probably correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> but I feel like particularly more modern uh, three-camera sitcoms, they, they tend to play with angles, like, a little bit. Yeah, definitely, yeah. This is much more, the table is pretty much center. Yep. Everything is pushed to the side. It's a stage. It's a cavernous space, too. Yeah. And they play with that a lot. Because um, there's, like, a ladder that goes up to a second, like, over, like, way far over. There's, like, a ladder that goes up that goes to where, like, offices are that you rarely see. There's, like, a phone in the foreground over on the other side. But it is mostly, like, a table in the middle of, like, this cavernous space that every yeah. now and then there are, like, cars pulled in. The... It's definitely like not like that, and there's more room and more interesting stuff going on in the set. But I feel like the th- 
the show that I've seen most recently that was most likely in a weird way was One Day at a Time. Yeah. Just because they spend so much time in that living room set. Yeah. Like, yeah, they yeah. just mostly keep it in there, and they mostly let things happen in there, usually in one place. So, I don't know. Yeah, I was, I mean, we're, well, we can move on to this, but, like, I was thinking that, I was noticing, like, it felt very play-y, because up until this point, we've only been in that uh-huh. one set. And at this point is where we cut to Laka's apartment, where he's doing, <laughs> God, one of the, like, funniest, weirdest, like, coked-out cooking scenes. <laughs> First of all, I mean, is he, he's wearing a chef hat, right? Like, yeah. And he's wearing, like, a... Uh, grandma the chef hat is a little too small, though. Yes. <laughs> He's wearing, like, a Grandma Gravis's old-fashioned oatmeal cookies apron. Already got it made. He has the biggest mixing bowl I have ever seen. Like, it is huge. It looks like a satellite dish or something. Yeah. And then he's... So he pulls a bunch of cookies out of the oven. He has, like, si- like 16 grocery bags on uh-huh. the table. that he just drops all the cookies in while walking by, just, like, pouring them off of the, like, uh, the metal tray. Yeah. Then that's funny. Then he walks to the end of the table and then lifts it up and the 16 <laughs> bags fall into this box we didn't see before. Yeah. Like a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, it's totally, it's straight up Swedish chef style yes. stuff going on. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there's cookies all over the floor even before he gets there, even before he does it. So clearly this is not the first time. He's just been doing this all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's it's great. It's so physical, like what you've been talking about. And it's so well-timed and yeah that's a big prop i mean like that huge table that huge box all those bags all those fake cookies it's really nuts and it's still it's the kind of surprise that is you don't see on multi-cam sitcoms often it might be because it's really hard to pull off like that is a lot of coordination to do i mean we've done sketch comedy (laughs) i would probably never try (laughs) like that's a lot to do yeah um so it's just it's interesting and it's really like shocking when you see it happen in a great way and then also Kaufman's performance is just so... He's just muttering the entire time in his language. Watching this now and just knowing what we know, it is insane that they got Andy Kaufman to be on yes. a sitcom for... Yes. At all. Because I wrote down in my notes, all caps, what is in it for Andy? Right? And I don't... I... So, like, Andy Kaufman's relationship with this show is also bizarre, because uh, if you watch the whole series, this is also one of the few times I've seen a sitcom also, not only they bend over backwards to, like, write Christopher Lloyd into the show and, like, make it very apparent they were doing that, this show also bends over backwards just to give Andy Kaufman whatever he wants, because, first of all, he's only in, he's only contracted to be in 16 of the 24 episodes a year. So, like, eight episodes a year, he's not in it, because he was only doing 16. That was his, that was the deal. But then, like, halfway through season three or four, uh, Laka gets multiple personality disorder and starts playing multiple characters. And it, like, even for Taxi, to me, doesn't make sense, is very weird, and kind of, like, undercuts a lot of the inherent sweetness of the kid. Like, it's, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like those episodes. Because it is so apparent that they're, like, Andy Kaufman wants to do whatever. Right. So, like, write this episode where he's going to play a different character because he's fucking bored. Yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's so interesting. I mean, he's clearly the focus of the show, even with all of these amazing actors. And I know the episode is focused on him. Yeah. But, I yeah, you put it best. Just what is it for Andy? And it's not It's money. Like, like, I... It has to be? Because, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I... I mean, he's not getting paid to go on 
to do all the other things he was doing, like going and making yeah. people angry in public, I, I mean, feel granted, like, right? No, nothing against it, because I know you like it, but it's not like he's Andy Kaufman on Full House, you know? I mean, it's a different no. sort of thing, because he is on a sitcom that is already allowing for different structure, different performances, and different ideas to allow yeah. for an episode like this for Latka's Cookies. But at the same time, even then, even 30-something years ago, I guess now? Yeah, 37 more. years? Yeah. It's still a sitcom, you know? Yeah, I wrote down, like, this This is a such a typical sitcom plot, too. Like, everyone gets addicted to a thing. But the, the thing that makes it taxi is that instead of it being, like, sugar, or basically, like, sugar, I feel like that's what it would be in any other yeah. sitcom, it's cocaine. <laughs> right. Which is very edgy. Like, <laughs> for an episode, everyone gets addicted to cocaine. And also, uh, there's a detox. Like, the end of this episode is uh, Alex being like, like, sit down, sit down. Listen to me. Look, it's, it's going to be a very tough night for you. I mean, you're going to get nervous. You're going to get anxious. You might even get sick. You might even have hallucinations. Delirium. Latka, you're looking at the worst night of your life. No, I don't want you to worry about it. I'm going to be right here going through the whole thing with you. Oh, all of a sudden the episode is literally like trying to get into, we got to get Latka off of the cocaine. Right. But they don't even try that. But they don't even she try says, it. I'll be here with you all night, and then they immediately just fall asleep on the couch. Which is just an excuse to bring in Famous Amos. That's it. Literally, Famous Amos is dropped in. I guess I do kind of see where Andy Kaufman would want to do this show because it's this is it's fucking weird. Like <laughs> the cookie salesman is dropped is dropped in on wires. You, you know what it is. I mean, we should probably. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the Famous Amos thing in yeah. a second. But I wonder if it's the closest they could get to Adult Swim. Like yeah. Andy Kaufman nowadays yeah, would yeah, probably yeah. be like, I have an adult swim show. It's very much like if you saw like Tim or Eric being on, uh, if you like, I mean, what's a, what is a modern day talent? Like Tim and Eric on New Girl. Although I feel like they would do that. Yeah, it's a very different world. So I mean, I yeah, think it's I mean, Eric Warham is on Master of None and they let him do whatever he wants. I mean, he's, he's also right. kind of like, he's affable, but a little bit weird on that show, but not right. super weird. It's, yeah, <sighs> it's maybe really like, hard. but again, I think, <laughs> I don't know, it's really hard to think because I think, Performers are savvier in a different way. You know, Eddie Kalpin has already existed. Yeah. It's Donald Glover on Community is what it is, maybe. Except at that time, Donald Glover didn't have anything going for him, really. That's right. It's if Donald Glover signed up for Community now. Yeah, I guess. Because the other thing is, the real sticking point with me is knowing how prickly and persnickety Andy Kaufman was as, as a human being. Yeah. Because, like, Tim and Eric I, like are nice dudes. Right. <laughs> like, their public persona is like, we're nice guys. We make off-putting comedy. Whereas, like, Andy Kaufman, like, no one knew who he was, really, because he loved playing mind games kind of 24-7. Yeah. Uh, and his whole public persona was pissing people off, and he wanted that. Uh, there's the story, because Carol... The other thing is, like, this show also, Rhea Perlman and Carol Kane are also on this show later. <laughs> so it's, like, two more oh, careers. Okay. Like, cool. what? Um, so Carol Kane comes in to play Latka's wife, uh, Simka, and she always tells a story about, like, yeah, they brought me in, um, and I was going to play another person from his country, and apparently, like, the weekend that they met, Andy Kaufman wanted them to go get married. He was like, we should run away and get married for, like, just the stun of it. And she was like, cool, no. <laughs> I'm an actress. They hired me to play this part. I'm not going to go marry you for a stunt. Like... Who is Andy Kaufman? Like it's right. uh, it's also just weird imagining he hung out with Tony Danza. That's really strange. <laughs> a it, lot. I in a weird way, it creates a sort of tension when you're watching the episode. Yeah. Even though, again, 
almost four decades ago, filmed Nothing's Going to Happen, I probably would have heard if this was the episode that Eddie Kaufman (laughs) murdered everybody or whatever. But watching the episode, it definitely felt like I am waiting for Andy Kaufman to do something where he tanks this whole thing. Yeah, where he doesn't want to do it. He never does that, I don't think. Um, And also, I do wonder, because I'm trying to look back, because I first saw Andy Kaufman on Taxi. I did not like that. That was my context for him. And I wish I could go back and remember what I thought of him then. Because I do want to know, like, if you know nothing about Andy Kaufman and are watching Taxi, is that tension still there? Or is it just like, oh, no, he's just like a queer. That, that, See, you know. I don't think so. Because I I do vaguely remember talking to my parents about him and they watched Taxi. Yeah. And uh, I think it was just, oh, that locket is so funny. Yeah. That's it. He was like, he's the Steve Urkel of yeah. the show. And everybody's like, oh my he's God, so cute Can you imagine Jaleel White would go off and do like, like art comedy, yeah. off-putting art comedy. <laughs> like, uh, what is it? Um, so yeah, then we get the famous Amos scene, which is again, it's a hallucination scene. That So this is basically the end of the episode, because the episode ends immediately after this hallucination. Yeah. And the, there's a pivot in it where Amos comes in. He's like, basically, it's like the best things in life are free. Is essentially what he's saying. But then he pivots and is like, "Hey, man, success is wonderful. Yeah, cash is out of sight. Yeah. Do whatever you can to be successful, cause it's great. Hey. And if it happens overnight, it's even better. Hey, your cookies went down the tubes. Big deal. Big deal. Try cupcakes. Yeah. Try jelly rolls." Aluminum siding. What's the difference, man? Nothing at all. Just get rich. These are wonderful words. And that's that's and that's pretty much it. Again, (laughs) this feels like the sort of thing in a typical sitcom would be, or actually not even a sitcom, like a dramatic show would Just be the any, start of like his, like... storytelling in yeah. a way. <laughs> Famous Amos told me to do this, and now I'm going to do whatever it takes to get money, but I... I'm almost 100% sure at the beginning of the next episode, Latka is just Latka doing no, yeah. his Latka thing. No, yeah. Because the episode ends like, so Famous Amos goes back up, Latka like wakes up Alex and is like, I learned my lesson. I finally know what it means to be an American. <laughs> right. get, get all the money I can. Does he put his hand over his heart? He does. Which is... And then the episode ends. It That gets back to why it feels like an improv show, where it's just... They yeah. mentioned Famous Amos two times, so, so he, somebody came in from the, the team. In the third beat, you gotta see, we gotta see Famous Amos. We gotta guys. see Famous guys, Amos. So man. I have a note, like, talk about Famous Amos, you gotta bring him in. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I really love that he, blackout, though. It was a really good blackout line. I loved ending <laughs> on the fact that America is just rolling in money and capitalism. Because <laughs> it, it yeah. ends. It ends with a blackout. There's no resolution. The cookies, it's, it is hilarious. <laughs> Right, he doesn't get his job back at the taxi company no. or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure the next episode he's probably just working there again. Right, I and Elaine think. is still in the cage. They're all still addicted to cocaine. Yeah, that's kind of it's in a way like I guess you do see like yeah, Andy Kaufman probably read this is like yeah, I like that. It's weird because <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, this does not do this does like nine of the things that a sitcom would do, but then the tenth the tenth part, the resolution part, it's like nah, fuck that. Yeah. And it stops. But that's probably, that's kind of okay, right? Oh, it's I mean, great. if you're trying to go for humor, yeah. end on the funniest thing. Don't worry about tying it up perfectly. I think there's a, uh, I, I don't know if this is talking on my ass or whatever, but I feel like the show can do that because it knows the rules and it's breaking them. It's doing that. Like, it knows mm-hmm. the rules and it is breaking them. Because this show, 
It's created by the people that were like on Mary Tyler Moore um, and on um, Bob Newhart show. Uh, Glenn and Les Charles, I think, ran Bob Newhart show right before creating Taxi. Directed by James L. Brooks or James Brooks, uh, co-created by James L. <laughs> James Burroughs and James L. Brooks. Two different people, both involved with this show. Um, so these are people that like know that form. And uh, a thing that I've learned since talking about Taxi the first time. Uh, is that, so, the people that created Mary Tyler Moore Show, like, Ed Weinberger and James R. Brooks, who were both on Taxi, were showrunners on Mary Tyler Moore, and in the Mary Tyler Moore book I read over Christmas, I learned that they created Taxi as a response to Mary Tyler Moore, mm. because they, like, we'd spent seven years doing a very female-driven show, and they wanted to do a very male-driven show, so they mm-hmm. created Taxi, which is, I mean, it's, what, like, a cast of seven men and one woman? Right. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's... It's a very male show, and they succeeded. And that energy is, like, totally different in a way. Yeah. Here's here's my theory. This is based on nothing. I'm sure I can very easily confirm shoot, this is not true. It. My theory about this episode is that they were running late. They had to write something. <laughs> they were actually doing a bunch of cocaine. And somebody was like, doesn't the word cocaine sound like cookies? And they're like, that's funny. We have two hours. Let's write this episode. Yep. That's yeah. Because, like, the script of this... I feel like the script for this episode would be 20 pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it actually isn't much dialogue. A lot of it is chewing. A lot of it is chewing, trying to chew, and then a lot of, like, ballet pirouettes. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, it's funny. It's a comedy show, and I laughed out loud several times while I was yeah. watching it, and everybody's really good at it. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to some must-have facts. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the ratings for this episode you cannot find because they uh, did not keep track of ratings as in-depth as they did now. Um, or at least I found a website where someone scanned in every USA Today for the past like 20 something years so I use that if it's a oh. 90s or a late 80s show don't have a f- so uh, this show Taxi was not in the top 30 for the 1980 to 81 season it was in the top 30 for the first two seasons but then the ratings kept like dropping uh, it will ultimately get cancelled by ABC and then picked up by NBC for one final year huh. which is a thing so the 1980-81 season the top 5 shows that aired that year were Number five, The Love Boat. 
for MASH. 360 minutes to the Dukes of Hazard and one Dallas. Huh. So what a landscape. Yeah. Taxi's very different than... Well, a lot of, of, of vehicle-based shows. Yeah, a boat, helicopters and MASH. Uh, Dukes of Hazard, car. car. And what was the first Dallas. one? Dallas. Dallas. Mm, that's not a car. Well, there's cars in it, but it's yeah, not a sure. Oil, right? Yeah. Oil, oil, dri- oil drives cars. Oil trucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on IMDb, 63 users voted and rated this an 8.2 out of 10. Does that sound right on the money, high or lower? What do you think? Yeah, I think 8.2 is fair. <laughs> that's a good, that's a fine rating. I'd go with an 8.1 or an 8.3, but yeah, I think really 8.2 is pretty good. Yeah, I think 8.2 is good. I would say this is, I mean, honestly, I, I think this is one of the better episodes of Taxi. So, yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, so, the other thing, the ABC Thursday night lineup this season. So, this is what aired that night. Uh, Mork and Mindy, Bosom Buddies, Barney Miller, then Taxi, then 2020. Really? So... That's a well. Okay, that is a that is a night of comedy that gets progressively darker. Yeah, you start with Mork and Mindy, which is cutesy mm-hmm. lady and an alien. Then Bosom Buddies, which didn't last long. Right, but that's Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. As <laughs> dressing up as ladies, dressing up as ladies because <laughs> because men are persecuted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point, <laughs> they're going to try to reboot that. They did, didn't they? Didn't they? I, think, I feel like yeah. they did try at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... Didn't work. Yikes. And then you get Barney Miller, which is like hard-hitting. Usually kind of everything is a mono, mono scene in a police station. Mm-hmm. And then Taxi, which is again like similarly like dark and weird and dirty. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting that you... St- this was Thursday night? This was the ABC Thursday night lineup. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that is the Thursday night. You have the 8 o'clock and the 9 o'clock yep. anchor, and then you have the 10 o'clock, the big important show. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the weird stuff in between. Bosom Buddies and Taxi. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because at that point, I think Mork and Mindy and Barney Miller, Barney Miller had been on for a while at that point. I think, pretty sure Mork and Mindy had been on for a couple seasons at that point, too. Um, so who would you say had the must-see performance in this episode? Christopher Lloyd, for me. Yeah. I know I talked about it before, but he was... So weird and so good, and like I said, so distilled Christopher Lloyd. Uh, I loved it. I was, I Annie Kaufman's great, and I was really impressed by Judd Hirsch, uh, and I thought he was great too. But yeah. man, that Christopher Lloyd scene was excellent. Yeah, as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, yeah, I think he's my pick as well, which speaks to a lot because he's not in this episode. He's in that one scene. <laughs> right. But that one scene, there is such a nuance and depth to every like twitch, every like distant like. Glare that he gives. Uh, Andy Kaufman's also great. <laughs> Say that very much like he deserves a bone too or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, I also it, this isn't him so much as the timing of the direction, and we talked about this before as well. But the fact that he comes in and says, "Well, I'm back," and <laughs> nobody reacts whatsoever, yeah. including the audience, I just thought it was great. Yeah. It's just such a great weird moment. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Um, so, must other people watch this episode? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I really enjoyed it, and it's nice and short and funny, and there's some good physical humor. And also, you can apparently jump right in Yeah, without knowing anything. Absolutely. I think, to be fair, it helped that I knew who these performers were, and I yeah. had a general sense of the cultural landscape of Taxi. I think that's something I was thinking about a little yeah. bit, being aware... Like, if I was just watching this on the air and I had no idea what Taxi was in the span of the history of sitcoms, yeah. I don't know if I... 
would have been as open or receptive, I think I'd be more like, well, prove it to you. <laughs> but you're going in with an open heart. Guys, exactly. go in with an open heart when you watch <laughs> this. Uh, so good luck finding this episode because it's one of the ones that Hulu does not have for some reason. It's huh. very annoying. Hulu only has half of the run. And it's all Swiss cheese throughout the entire run. Weird. So Why is that? Do you know? That's an article I'm going to have to pitch at some point because okay. it annoys me that there are like, there are some episodes that just like, uh, that an act I I think it <clears throat> I think it might have to do well okay so the theory I have that I've heard is that it's actor right or like likenesses or whatever okay like if a guest star's contract did not include that like the series regular is probably all good so maybe like famous Amos's contract oh, did not include like a number of like syndication or like reruns or Here's whatever. Here's what we gotta do. We gotta get it trending. We gotta get people to ban famous Amos until yeah. they free this episode. Yeah, but it's a it's a problem I uh, I have on on. But then there's also things like the only the first three seasons of Mary Tell Them were on Hulu. So that that's a weird thing because why aren't the last four? Right. They're all on sale on iTunes. Who knows? This is my personal uh, mission. Um. And I also definitely think if you want to uh, track this down, definitely this is one to watch. Um, this is a great episode of Taxi. Good physical showcase for everyone. So our, for our last segment, a segment that I'm just like loving, just like every week that I do it. Uh, it's a new addition to the show. Um, we're going to be pulling from the great TV sitcom book by Rick Mitz. So this is a book uh, that was published in 1982. Um, yeah, 1983. Uh, this is basically an encyclopedia of every sitcom, basically, that's ever existed from okay. the dawn of television up until 1983, uh, including a whole bunch of little capsule uh, entries for shows that only lasted one or two seasons. <laughs> um, so what we do is I will flip through this book, you'll tell me to stop, and then we will talk about one of the little capsule reviews that is on the page. Ooh, cool. Um, and the other note I always give is that Mr. Rick Mitz himself... He's a little bit salty. He's got a personality. Okay. So there might be a little bit of a POV in this write-up that if you think this is an actual, like, encyclopedia, will catch you off guard of, like, why is he throwing him into opinion right there? <laughs> so, no, he's got an attitude. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, let's... So, whenever you want, tell me when to stop, and then I will pick out a show. Okay. And... Stop. Okay. So, let's... This is... That's me loves Adobe Gillis, so let's go here, because that's multiple pages. So... So we are in the 1958 to 1959 TV season, so this is old. So we're going to read about one of these. Which one do you want to hear about? The Ann Southern Show, The Ed Wynn Show, The George Burns Show, mm-hmm. How to Marry a Millionaire, or Peck's Bad Girl. I mean Peck's Bad Girl, obviously. <laughs> so, so it's just like the, the person's show, the person's show, the person's show, who wants to marry a millionaire. Uh, so Peck's Bad Girl... Child star Patty McCormack starred in this one as 12-year-old Tori Peck, who seemed to get into a lot of trouble. Her father, lawyer Steve Peck, was played by Wendell Corey. Her mother, Jennifer, was portrayed by Marsha Hunt. The Pecks were a, in quotes, typical middle-class U.S. family with a daughter who was part prepubescent and part tomboy. Peck's bad girl did badly, and CBS canceled the summer replacement show in August of 1959. Huh. So what do we think about Peck's bad girl? Uh, seems like a saucy, saucy <laughs> little minx. Honestly, in terms of capsule reviews, that is one of the shortest ones I've ever oh, seen. We well, it seems like there's not a lot going on. The show was canceled pretty quickly. <laughs> Honestly, how is a show called Peck's Bad Girl not last for five seasons at least? Uh, I don't know. It, do you think it was a Dennis the Menace type thing? It's That's definitely a from. Dennis the Menace. It's definitely, yeah. Um, so Peck... 
12-year-old Tori Peck. So why is it possessive? So I guess it's like her dad. It's So Peck is her dad, right? Steve is he? Peck. Well, I mean, it's the title is Peck's Bad Girl. So right. it's someone's, ah, this guy Peck's Bad Girl. But her last name is Peck. She's her own bad girl? She's, I, I guess it's talking about like, it's her dad, it's her parents' bad girl. Is she an adult also? No, she is a prepubescent. Okay. She is a... <laughs> such a weird way of referring yeah, to somebody. She, who was part prepubescent and part tomboy. Oh, those are the two parts of a person. Yeah, she was 12, so it's a 12-year-old oh, okay. girl. Yeah, I mean, that's an easier way of saying it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't... So, was this a star showcase for her? Yeah, let's is, look up a name. Patty McCormack. Okay. Oh, okay. That name sounds familiar. So as Patty McCormack plays Peck? Tori Peck. Tori Peck. Patty. So yeah, it must be her dad, Peck's bad girl, but that's a weird name if she's the main character. Yeah, that is a very... Okay, oh wow. So she's 72 now. Okay. She was just in an episode of Stand Against Evil. Oh. As Priscilla Atherton. She's still working. She's on an episode of Chance... Uh, she's on an episode of The Ranch as Charlene. Ooh. She's on, she's on four episodes of Heart of Dixie. Nice. She was on something called Butt Whistle. Uh, Seems like a director VOD something. It was, it was a modern remake of Peck's Bad Girl. So we've got an episode of Supernatural, an episode of Scandal. She was in The Master. Okay, so she's, she was on an episode of Desperate Housewives. She is working, despite... Despite the Despite tragedy the of X-Bad Girl. Bad Girl. Huh. She was in Frost Nixon. Okay. Was she Frost or Nixon? Uh she was the Slash. Oh, okay. Oh, she was on have you, she was on five of five episodes of The Sopranos. Really? As Liz Lac- Lacerva. I, I've never really watched the I've Sopranos. never watched I've never watched The Sopranos. It looks like she just had one of those careers where she just did an episode and then Oh, she was on twenty eight episodes of The Ropers. Okay. That's crazy. Good for her. She did not let... She was 12. She can't shoulder the entire failure of the show. I I blame this on Peck himself. Yeah. What the fuck, Peck? You should have done better. (laughs) So yeah, that was from the big book of TV sitcoms. We will probably never talk about Peck's Bad Girl on this show again. So where else can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you about Taxi or anything else? Sure. So I'm managing editor of Decider.com, so you can check me out on there. Uh, Comic Book Club is at comicbookclublive.com. We do a live podcast every Tuesday night in New York at the Pit Loft. It's free at 8 p.m. Also, I'm on Twitter at Azalbin, so check me out there. I'm frequently on the Twitter nets. Yeah, you are. And that just about does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest Alex Zalman for coming out over here and uh, talking about Taxi with me this week. Next week I'll be discussing the Frasier episode, Dial M for Martin. Dial M for Martin is in Season 6, Episode 3 of Frasier, and you can stream that Frasier episode on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon. Until then... I want to hear from all of y'all. You can tweet your questions about sitcoms to at musthaveseentv, or you can send them to musthaveseentv at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at musthaveseentv. If you like what you've heard, please, please rate and review Must Have Seen TV in iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. You can also read the words that I write at decider.com. The theme song is Patricia's Moving Picture by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast, and I'll see everyone next week on Must Have Seen TV. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.